0: We've been in a series, and uh, we've been in this uh, series called Believe. Everybody say believe. believe. And uh, we've been learning about what to believe, and, and it's important to know what we believe so that we can uh, man, we can be firmly rooted and know what God's doing in and through us so that we can share it with others. But as believers, how many of you know it's important to know what you believe? And so we've been in this series uh, for several months, and I've been enjoying it. I've been loving it. And, uh, Pastor Tim has been breaking things down line by line, uh, in this thing called systematic theology. And so we've been discovering some things. If you didn't, if you weren't here last week when he, when he taught on demons, you need to make sure you get that message. It was, it was one of the most incredible messages I've ever heard on demons. And so grab a hold of that. And so during this series, we've been doing that and line by line and going through some things tonight. And so tonight I get the honor and privilege of sharing with you probably one of the, one of the coolest uh, I think, doctrines in the Bible, as we, as we are kind of going through this series, and it's the image of God, created in God's image. And if I had to title this message tonight, I think I would probably title it, A Lot Like God. Look to your neighbor and say, you look good. You look good. Look to your other neighbor that you just ignored and say, you're not bad. You're not bad either. <laughs> And so tonight, we're going to look at man being created in the image of God. And so I hope you're ready for that. Can we pray before we jump in? Can we do that? God, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for your presence that is here. God, we thank you for our children. What an amazing week of them discovering who you are. And so, God, we just, uh, we, we just thank you. We, man, we come to you tonight ready and eager to know more about you. So God, would you speak to us? Would we leave different than how we came in? We love you tonight. And it's in Jesus' name we all pray. In Jesus' name, amen? Amen. 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 Well, A.W. Tozer said, The doctrine of man made in the image of God is one of the basic doctrines of the Bible. And one of the most elevating, enlarging, and glorious doctrines he knows. It's a pretty big statement. And so tonight, as we dive into this, I want to kind of uh, take a little twist right off the bat because, uh, as I was studying preparing for this week, God led me to a passage that, uh, to be honest, it's like, why would you go to that passage to talk about the the image of God? But I think you're gonna you're gonna see something like I did uh, as I was reading this passage this week. And so, in the book of Matthew, everybody say Matthew. Matthew. There's this story of a man who was a disciple of the Pharisees, and they were the religious leaders of the day. He was a disciple, so they had been teaching him and training him. And so this man came to Jesus with a question. And I don't know if he was like the lucky one that drew the short straw or what, but he was the one that they were like, hey, you go ask Jesus this question, right? Have you ever been that guy? Hopefully not, that you've drawn the short straw and you have to ask the question in class but uh, so this man comes up to Jesus in verse uh, 17. And he says, tell us then, what is your opinion? Is it right to pay the imperial tax to Caesar or not? Okay. And Jesus, knowing their intent, he says, you hypocrites, why are you trying to trap me? Show me the coin used for paying the tax. So they brought him one of the coins and he asked them, whose image is this? And whose inscription is on it? And they replied, Caesar's. And then I love this next verse. Jesus says to them in verse 21, So give back to Caesar what is Caesar's, and to God what is God's. When they heard this, they were amazed, and so they left him and went away. Now, as I was reading this, I got to the end of that passage, and I was like, Hold up a minute. This guy kind of left it undone a little bit. I mean, he asked God, he asked Jesus to question, right? And he tells him to give Caesar what is Caesar's and God's what is God. He tells him that. And then they were amazed and walked away. But I think he should have asked another question. The question he should have responded to Jesus. The follow-up question was, what belongs to God? Not just what belongs to Caesar, but what belongs to God. And I love that because in that question, I think Jesus, I love like picturing what Jesus would do. Do you guys like doing that? Is anybody crazy like me? Okay, good. Um, and so Jesus, I could just picture him grabbing the young man on each side of his shoulder and kind of pulling him inside. And he says, to, he, the, the young man says to Jesus, then what belongs to God? And Jesus looks him in the eye and he says, what image is on you? Because what image on us is on us is really at the core of everything in our life what image is on us. And there's no other founder of any worldview. This is kind of crazy. There's no other founder of any worldview that would have positioned us in this way to be the image of God. And it's, fascin- it's fascinating to me that if you look at all the scripture from the Old Testament to the New Testament, and you look at all the, the laws, the commandments, and you, and you look at what Jesus, how he responds. He responds to everyone when asked the big questions with two vital, like important things. The two greatest commandments of everything, right? Love God with all of your heart, with all of your mind, with all of your soul and your strength. And then the second one, love your neighbor as yourself. And so he gives these two these two man, commandments to us that we have to wrestle with. And I always thought, why wouldn't he just give one? But if you look at it, the, upon the first commandment is really the imperative of the second because we can't love God and hate our neighbor. Like it doesn't work that way. And so he gives these two things in the context of that. So we can't say we love God and then hate someone next to us. Go ahead and look to your neighbor and say, I do love you tell you neighbor you got to reassure him a little bit and if you took all the commandments everything from the old testament the new testament and we put them all together and we tried to narrow those down into one word i think that word that we would narrow everything down to would be the word sacred it'd be the word sacred because your life is sacred yes. do you believe that yes. your life is sacred your property is sacred your marriage is sacred. Your kids are sacred. Your time is sacred. Your neighbor is sacred. And I think one of the most remarkable things that happens in the context of all of this that Jesus is saying is that the value given to you and me is amazingly huge. The value that you and I have is really a big deal. Who you are, every human life, whoop. Sorry, Mike. Every human life has value, has worth. And that's the answer, honestly, to the biggest question of life. Of all the years of ministry that I've been doing, almost 20 years, working with students, working with children, working with adults, all the counseling sessions, all the conversations that I've had, it all boils down, honestly, to one question. And that question is, do I matter? Do I matter? Like if we were to boil it down, that would be the question that aches in us. Do I matter? And the resounding answer is yes. I was going to step on those and squash them like a little bug. I mean, and and what I love about this is Jesus really paints the portrait for us about how important you and I are. Because he goes through and he, he shows us in every encounter that he has and who he spends time with that he values us. I mean, if you look at scripture and you look at the woman at the well, I mean, she was messed up, right? You look at the woman who had the alabaster jar that broke the perfume on Jesus' feet and all the people around were like, what's he doing? Does he not know who she is? And Jesus always spent time with those who appeared to be lost in sin, marginalized. Those people that society would say were unfit, unclean. Jesus was often found with those people. And I really believe it's because he understood and he saw that every person was made in the image of God. He saw the value. And therefore, every person was deemed worthy. Every person was deemed fit to be and hang out with the king. It's so good. And I don't know if you guys have ever been to Disney. Can I just be honest? I know there's kids in the room. I don't like Disney. I took my kids there once. And it was not the funnest day of my life. And I get an amen from a parent. Like... You gotta wait in these long lines, it's hot, your kids are crying, everybody's kids are crying, kids are puking, like it's just, it is not the greatest place in the world, it is not. It's like a total illusion. And then we're dragging our kids through the park, this is gonna be the happiest thing of your life, right? Cause I just dropped like $500, right? On an ice cream cone. And so, like, we're gonna have fun. And what's crazy is we have these experiences. And can I just say that there is nothing better than being with the king. I don't care how great Mickey Mouse is. I mean, he's pretty cool. But there is nothing better than being with Jesus. And so what I love is when I see kids here filling up this room this week, they've been on inflatables, they've been playing games, they've been worshiping their faces off, they've been dancing, they've been encountering Jesus. And I love it when a a child would say to their mom and dad, no, 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 I don't want to go to Disney, I need to go to VBS. Because that's where Jesus is. Because he sees the value in every single person. It's not enough to just love God. We must love our neighbors as ourselves. And in order for us to do that, we must see ourselves as God does. We must be, begin to see how valuable, how beautiful, and how amazing we are. Now, some of y'all, I'm going to just gonna be honest. Some of y'all already think you're awesome. <laughs> like, I can look on Instagram and I'll be like, yep, they think they're awesome. Like, it's the gun show. They're showing the biceps. They're taking pictures of themselves in the mirror with, like, six-pack of abs. Like, you don't see any big guys doing that, right? (laughs) Like, that would just gross everyone out. But you have all these people that have, like, they just think they're awesome. They're so beautiful and so everything's perfect. And they're posting all these selfies and all this kind of stuff. And so they think they're awesome. And there was a time in my life when I was in high school and there were three things, really, honestly, in high school that I wasn't allowed to say. My dad demanded, if you lived in our household, you had to, you had to hate the Buckeyes. Ohio State Buckeyes, sorry if you're a Buckeye, but we hate you. Um, <laughs> but according to scripture, I have to love you, so um, go blue. And um, my dad graduated from University of Michigan, so you had to hate the Buckeyes. You had to hate foreign cars. I had to wait until my dad passed away in 1997 to buy a foreign car. Like it was not going to happen. He would have had it towed. He would have had it demolished. Like if something would have went down. And then the third thing is, I couldn't say the words, I can't. It wasn't allowed. I could say any cuss word I wanted to. But if I said the word, I can't, it was on. My dad demanded that we tried everything that we could with all of our might, all of our strength to do whatever could. I mean, I had this belief that. Uh, And I was a big dude back then too. And so I played football and I just believed I could smash everybody. And I did most of the time. But I believed that because there was no I can't in my vocabulary. And I'll never forget my junior year. I thought I was awesome. And my dad told me to do something and I said, I can't. And my dad said, excuse me? I said, that's right. I can't. Not only am I not going to do it, but I can't do it. And so I kind of stepped up to my dad, kind of like bowed up a little bit. I don't know if I flinched at him or what I did, but all I remember next is my dad hit me with a right hook, and I was knocked out on the floor. And uh, it would have probably been good information to know that my dad was in the Navy and a boxer which I didn't find out until after I picked myself off off the floor. Now, that would have been good information. And so no matter how awesome we think we are, we really are. Because we are made in the image of God. And it's important we know that. Deep within our souls, every single one of us, there's this search for identity. And built into each one of us is a desire to know who we are. And as children, I don't know if you've ever noticed, but... How much you look like your parents when you're little. Do you ever notice that? Like, you ever see the Moys walking around? The Moy family? And it's like, yep, they all belong together. You know? Are they here tonight? Are the Moys here? Yeah, they're back there. They all look, to, they just, you, they just look good. They look the same. Have you ever had somebody tell you you look like your mom or dad? How many of y'all hate that? Okay, some of y'all being honest in church tonight. That's good. My daughter hates that. Like when someone says, oh, you look like your dad. Like, that's not a compliment. Like she's a beautiful young princess. Why does she want to look like her dad? Big, bald guy, you know? I don't think people sometimes think about what they're saying. And um, and then as young teens, we kind of move from looking like our parents. As young, as young teens, we start looking like our friends. Have you ever noticed how a group of students, you just go to the mall and you'll see a group of students walking through the mall and they all look the same. You know, they become like the people they hang around and they start dressing the same, talking the same, wearing the same things. And I've had groups of kids like that in our student ministry over the year where I thought they literally like cloned themselves because their whole group of friends looked the same. And then when we get up into adulthood, young adults, we begin to wonder in a more serious way. Who am I? My identity. You know, we we start thinking about those things. And even as we get older, and we can find our answers, us believers, can find our answers in the Bible's very first two chapters. I love this. We can identify with God because we're created by him. He's created us. And what I love about that is we are different from everything else that's been created. Because we're made In the image and the likeness of God. If you have your Bibles tonight, we're going to go to Genesis chapter 1 and uh, read verses 26 through 27. And I think it will be on the screen as well. It says, let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And then in Genesis chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, this is the written account of Adam's family line. When God created mankind, he made them in the likeness of God. He created them male and female and blessed them, and he named them mankind when they were created. And then in Genesis 9, 6, he says, Whoever sheds human blood, by humans shall their blood be shed. For in the image of God has God made mankind. Being created in God's image and his likeness is not said of anything else in the universe, not even the angels. And there's a lot of debate by uh, theologians over the exact meaning of what the image and the likeness of God is, but if you kind of summed it up, it would be possessing and displaying some of his traits. The word image in the Hebrew is the word Salem, which means physical likeness of a person or thing. And then it is also translated later in Psalms into the word shadow, which means a resemblance or reflection of something greater. I love that. Imagine looking into the mirror and seeing what God sees. That as we look into the mirror, we would see a resemblance or reflection of something greater. Because we've made, we've been made in his image. The image is found in a few places. The image is found in our spiritual essence, our personality with self awareness, our minds, our wills, and our moral accountability. But as Genesis 1 indicates, I love this. It's found mostly, I love this because it, it it really concretes who we are and who God's created us to be. We have dominion. And we have authority over the rest of God's creation. And the reason for that is is it's the result of possessing the image of God. I, how many of you guys know Pastor Sean? You guys know Pastor Sean? I love Pastor Sean because he hunts hogs. And uh, it's such a beautiful picture. If you're thinking about the image of God and you're thinking about being created in the image of God, I love this picture because he's got some pictures of him and his son killing these hogs. Now, I would never do that because I would just be afraid to. Um, I like to smash golf balls down the fairway and uh, do those kind of things. But he likes to kill hogs. And I, I think there's a picture of them like standing on top of the hog, you know, like we killed it, you know. And it's such a beautiful picture because we have dominion and authority over all of creation. And so God's designed it and set us up that way to be victorious, to be uh, in that position of authority and dominion. And here's the bad news, though. You guys ready for some bad news? Thank you. Someone in the back said no. (laughs) God's image in us is now not what it was at creation. As you know, because of the fall, our image has been damaged and distorted. The image of who we are because of the fall has been perverted, it's been corrupted, it's become wicked. The Bible says in Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Now this doesn't mean that we're all evil as possibly can be, although some of us would probably be like, he is. But every aspect of who we are, our being, everything that God has naturally wired us to be, sin, because of sin, it's damaged and distorted us and the way that we see who we've been created to be i never realized this to the point until a couple years ago there was a young lady who started attending our student ministry she came to christ and in our student ministry actually met a young man and they started dating well unspeknownst to me he dropped her he broke up with her and it was pretty harsh 42 days had passed and I'll never forget the morning that her mom called me frantic. Pastor Tom, I can't find my daughter. She's missing. I said, well, where have you looked? She says, I've looked everywhere. I've looked in her room. I've called all of her friends. We can't find her anywhere. Within about an hour and a half, I arrived to the house and this young lady had gone out into the backyard and took her life. Now, You're like, how does that display the image of God? What had happened over those 42 days from the breakup of her boyfriend, and as we looked at her Tumblr and her blogs, you could see the downward spiral of loneliness and rejection. And the downward journey that she had in those 42 days where the enemy, like Pastor Tim talked about last week, the enemy seeks to kill and destroy and if he can kill and destroy the image that we've been created in, if he can get us away from and, and distracted from and get our eyes off who we have been made, then he can destroy us. That's why this topic tonight, I think, is so, is so big and so foundational to us as believers. We have to know and understand that we have been created in the image of God. We have to know who we are. And so the good news, though, I want to give you the good news. You ready for some good news? God is reversing the damage. God is reversing the distortion. He's reversing what has taken place from, from the fall. And part of his redemptive purpose and the process is to renew his image in us. That's why I love when baptism happens, because the Bible says we're new creation. And we have people come up to the baptism and they get dunked and their old life is being buried as Christ was buried in the grave. And then they're raised to walk in newness of life. And they wear these shirts that say, I am new. It's because it signifies what God wants to do in us. He wants to restore and redeem the image that he created us with because he values and he loves us. God designed and manufactured us so that we might enjoy a personal relationship with him. That's why we've been created. And so our destiny, the thing we exist for, is really centered around the issue of possessing or not possessing a relationship with the creator. That's what it's all about. We'll never know who we are until we are related to the one ...who made us in his own image. When we know him, we can know ourselves. And we can live as he intended and enjoy him and all the good things he made. So you might ask the question, who am I? Go ahead. Who am I? That's a great question. I'm so glad you asked. I am complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. I am alive with Christ... I am free from the law of sin and death. I am far from oppression and fear does not come near me. I am born of God and the evil one does not touch me. I am holy and without blame before him in love. I have the mind of Christ. I have the peace of God that passes all understanding. I have the greater one living in me. Greater is he who is in me than he that's in the world. I have received the gift of righteousness and reign as a king in life by Jesus Christ. I have received the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Jesus, the eyes of my understanding being enlightened. I have put off the old person, and have put on the new person, which is renewed in the knowledge after the image of him who created me. I have no lack, for my God supplies all my needs according to his riches and glory. I can do all things through Christ. I am God's child, for I am born again. I am God's workmanship, created in Christ unto, to do good works I am a new creature in Christ. I am a believer and the light of the gospel shines in my mind. I am a doer of the word and blessed in my actions. I am a joint heir with Christ. I am more than a conqueror through him who gives me strength. I am an overcomer by the blood of the lamb and the word of my testimony. I am an ambassador for Christ. I am part of a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, and a purchased people. I am the head and not the tail. I am above only and not beneath. I am the light of the world. I am forgiven of all my sins and washed in the blood. I am redeemed. I am firmly rooted, built up, established in my faith and overflowing with gratitude. I am called of God to be the voice of his praise. I am healed by the stripes of Jesus. I am raised up with Christ and seated in heavenly places. I am greatly loved by God. I am strengthened with all might according to his glorious power. I am submitted to God and the devil flees from me because I resist him in the name of Jesus. I press on toward the goal to win the prize in which Christ in God in Christ Jesus is calling us upward for God has not given us a spirit of fear but a power, love and a sound mind. And it's not I who live but Christ lives in me. Come on, that's who we are. God's created us, we're made in his image. And so if we know who we are, if we know who we are, that we've been created in God's image, then what is our response? Our response is to see God and to come to know him through a study of his character. That's why this series is so important. It's why it's so important for us to know what we believe and to know who we are. To know where we stand. To know that God has created us and given us dominion and authority. And that we don't have to live the way that we've been living. But we can live how God desires us to live. We need to know. Why am I here? If I could break it down tonight for you. There's, there's four things. Four or five things. Knowing God intimately. Knowing God is our calling. It's our destiny. It's our future hope. It's our great privilege. It's our blessing. And it should be our greatest ambition. First Corinthians thirteen twelve says, "For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then we will see face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know fully, just as I also have been fully known." First John three two says, "Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has been appeared as yet what we shall be. We know that when He appears, we shall be like Him." because we shall see him just as he is. A study of of God, a study of his attributes begins to unveil who we are. And it's the basis, it's the basics for us to begin to live a life that has joy and it has growth and it has, that's why we're doing this series so that we can grow, that we can become more like him because we've been created in his image. I love this, Ephesians 4:13. it says, "By faith in Jesus Christ, we have been saved so we might become partakers of His divine nature." That's 2 Peter 1 four. We have become a part of the church, the body of Christ, which is growing up to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. By seeing him as He is, we become like him. And it's important because it enhances our life. It enhances our worship. It enhances our prayer life. It enhances our witness. Probably one of my favorite verses is First Peter 2, 9 and 10. It says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, that you may do what? Proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness. That's why we've been created, to proclaim his excellencies. For you were once not a people, but now you are the people of God. For once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. We've been talking about in this series, Road Trip, about helping you move from where you are to where God wants you to be. And as I was preparing for this message, I really got a visual that God's calling us to move from surrender to thankfulness. He's calling us to move from a position of always surrendering and always looking at our issues, always looking at those things that, that trap us and keep us from becoming who we've been created to be and to begin to position ourselves and just say, God, thank you. I am who you say I am. What if we positioned ourselves? For so long, we would have students come up and we would say, lift up your hands. How many of you guys have ever done that? Lift up your hands. And I would always say, it's a sign of surrender. But God showed me it's not so much a sign of surrender. It's a sign of thankfulness. Because when you know who God is and that he's created you in his image, you can begin, begin to walk in freedom. You can begin to walk in your destiny and walk in the ways that God wants you to. And you can begin to thank him in the midst of whatever is happening. You can thank him for who you are. You thank him for his mercy. You thank him for his grace. You thank him for every situation, every circumstance. You, we begin to thank him. And so we, this week we've been talking about rise up. And that's my challenge to you tonight. Will we rise up and believe who God says we are? You have been created in the image of God. He loves you. You have destiny. You have purpose. You have value. Whoever's told you that you don't matter, I just want to speak over you tonight that you do matter. That you are valued that you are worthy, that you have grace, that you have mercy, that God can use you to do extraordinary things beyond whatever you could think or imagine. And all you have to do is move from surrender to thank you. Would you do that tonight? On the count of three, I just want everybody to stand up. One, two, three, come on, let's stand in this place. Can we just take a moment and just thank Him? We have so much to be thankful for. I was talking to some students a couple weeks ago and sometimes we can become so critical we forget, we get consumed by what's going on in our life. I was sitting in the room back there, 202. It's such a beautiful room. You paid tithes and offering to build a room where students could encounter God. It's beautiful. It has all the lights, smoke, the amazing sound, amazing stage. It's got amazing carpet, amazing chairs. It's got amazing bathrooms with like figures on the outside of the door. Like, what if we begin to live in an attitude of thankfulness? And instead of complaining, we begin to thank God. God, thank you for what you've given to me. Thank you for my kids. How many of you need God to move on behalf of your kids? You begin to thank God. God, thank you for moving. Thank you for the salvation of my children. Thank you, God, that you're bringing them home. Thank you, God, for the situation you have them in because it's paving the way for them to surrender and to thank you, God. So can we do that for just a few seconds? Can we just lift up our hands tonight? And from your mouth, whatever it is that God puts on your heart tonight, can you just tell them thank you? Thank you. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for loving us. God, thank you for my house. Thank you for my kids. Thank you for my dog. Thank you for even my cat. God, thank you. Thank you for the clothes I have. Thank you for the cars I drive. Thank you for my job. God, thank you for the provision. Thank you for this church. Thank you for my pastor. Thank you for the leadership. God, thank you for this beautiful room. Thank you for the lights. Thank you for the sound. Thank you for the instruments. Thank you for the leaders. Thank you for the volunteers. God, thank you for our city. Thank you for our city's leaders. God, thank you for our schools. Thank you for... Our administrators and our teachers, God, thank you. Thank you, God. God, thank you for loving us right where we're at. And so, God, tonight we stand, we position ourselves, and we say thank you. Move us, God, from where we are to where you want us to be. God, show us who we really are by showing us who you are. Thank you for creating us in your image, in your likeness, would you make us a reflection? God, would you make us a resemblance that as we leave this place and we go out into Ocala and Marion County, God, would you, God, allow it to be so that when people see us, they see you. They see your love. They see your grace and your mercy and your forgiveness. God, they see your blood that washes away all sin. God, we thank you tonight. And we love you. In Jesus' name, amen.